If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Psalm 103, uh, we'll continue being nourished by the Psalms this morning in Psalm 103. I want to ask us a central question this morning. That question is right at the top of your outline, how do I bless the Lord? What does it mean for you and me? How do we, how do, how do you, how do we as a church, how do we bless the Lord? What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we bless the Lord, right? It's an interesting question and one that uh, maybe we haven't pondered too much on, but it's, a, it's an important question. It's an important question for us, especially in light of Psalm 103, to understand and recognize what it means for us individually to bless the Lord. So let's read Psalm 103. It'll appear on the screen and you can read along in your copy of God's Word that I hope that you have with you and open and turned on. So let's read Psalm 103 and uh, I want you to, want you to pick out what this Psalm of David teaches us and shows us in a pattern of praise and blessing the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the who crowns you with a steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he always keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone." And its place is known no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. You mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. And bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray together. Lord, would you, would you illuminate our hearts, illuminate our souls this morning to bless you. Teach us, mold us, and refine us today more and more into your image. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's go back to our original question. How do I bless the Lord? If you see Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. So a natural question would arise, how do you bless the Lord? And this word gets a little tricky because if you are blessed, you are better off before the blessing or after the blessing than before the blessing, right? If if God blesses you, are you better off after the blessing? Yes, right? This past week, uh, Brittany and I went out to a dinner, and as we were going to pay our bill, a wonderful, kind church member paid our bill. 
we were blessed. They blessed us, right? And as we left the restaurant, we were in a much better place after the meal for a multitude of reasons than before the meal, right? We had been blessed with a blessing of a paid for meal. It was a great blessing. Brittany and I were better after the meal than before the meal. So when it comes down to us blessing the Lord, do we in our blessing make God better after our blessing? Do we give him something that he does not already have? So, so what does it mean for us then to bless the Lord? When we bless the Lord, is he up in heaven saying, well, this is great, I'm better now than I was before. I'm a better God now that you have blessed me than I was before. I'm able to do more because my people have blessed me. Is God deficient? And so our blessing is able to give him back something that he does not have. Your answer would be, of course not. So our blessing is not parallel to how God blesses us. We are not therefore giving God something that he is lacking. We are not helping God along with our worship and our adoration and our blessing of him. So if it is not the same, what does it mean for us to bless the Lord? The central word that we look at that the word bless means would be for us to praise the Lord, for us to honor the Lord, for us to magnify the Lord, for us to lift up his name and his goodness in our lives. So we begin to ask the question, does this, does my life then glorify the Lord? So as we walk through this morning, let's look at some areas in which we can ask ourselves, are we able to bless the Lord? Number one, you see, teach my soul to praise. David is as if he is writing Psalm 103, he's almost compelling his heart to bless the Lord. You see him at the beginning and the end, he's saying, oh soul, bless the Lord. I don't know if any of you like to talk to yourself. If you do, this is not the appropriate time for you to do that. But if you talk to yourself, almost like you convince yourself, oh soul, now's the time. Bless the Lord, soul. I know that there's a lot of mess going on, but soul, I'm gonna bless you right now. It's almost like David getting into his heart, getting into his soul. Oh, soul, I know I'm downcast. Soul, I'm down, but soul, I'm going to bless you. I will bless you, Lord. And so you see David even right into the Psalms. Oh, soul, everything within me, everything in my heart, in my soul, in my innermost of being, Lord, I'm going to bless your name. You see on your outline, Jesus, in Matthew 15, the most frustrated Jesus would get on his time on earth was with the Pharisees who would do precisely what Jesus said in Matthew 15. They would honor me with their lips, but their innermost, their soul, their longing of their heart is far from him. And so yes, they're gonna enter into, they're gonna say the right words, they're gonna honor with their lips, but their heart is anywhere but praising and blessing the Lord. And so you see David say, Lord, I don't want to just praise you with my lips. Everything inside of me, everything, my innermost soul wants to lift up and praise and bless your name. And so we're not just saying, yes, Lord, and blessing him with our words. But with the sacrifice of everything in us, we are glorifying his holy name. And I want to give you the second point, which just says, enter with expectation. And I, I want to spend a moment that I just feel like I need to confess from my own heart. This last week, um, 
it's been a, it's been a week. To walk in here last Sunday morning and to experience what I experienced. To step down into the baptistry and during the orchestra prelude, this, this church stood up in ovation with a heart so excited to worship the Lord. Walked into to baptize and my heart was just stirred to overflowing. Walk into worship and set down every song. I'm connect, I'm, I'm in, I'm ready. I'm just, Lord, there, what else can I give you? I, I want to just adore you because you are so good. Like I've been anticipating this moment for three months and here we are. And my heart is just stirred to overflowing. It's a day that I have been anticipating for months upon months, entering into this place and worshiping the Lord. That, that I knew for months upon months that that first Sunday back in this sanctuary, I know, I know that I'm going to meet the Lord there. I know that I'm going to worship the Lord here in this place. And so for months, I had this date in my heart circled on the calendar to say, I cannot wait to get back into this place and to worship God. I know that my heart is open and receptive and I know that I will hear from him this day. And do you know, I did. I did. We've had some special services in this place. We've had some special services over the course of my life here in this place. But I anticipated with everything in my heart that I was gonna meet God on Sunday morning, and I did. And this week, friends, my heart has been absolutely convicted to the core that I always don't enter into worship with that same mentality. I don't enter into my private study with God and his word with that same mentality. I often walk into this place with a thousand things on my heart and on my mind. And I'm telling you this, fully confessional as the pastor of this church. I'm just, I'm trying to open my heart to you and tell you how the Lord convicted me this past week. That last week I knew I was walking in here. I got here early. I bathed this thing in prayer for hours upon hours. I was ready to meet the Lord here in this place. And I did. And so often I'm coming into church with all sorts of things on my heart, all sorts of distractions on my mind, thinking about a thousand different other things other than the reality that God saved me from the pit of hell and I'm here to worship him with all my other brothers and sisters in the faith. And it has convicted me to my very roots that I don't always walk into this place fully meeting and planning to meet the Lord. I don't always fully walk into my quiet times in the morning and the evening whenever I do them with a desire to say, Lord, I know that when I crack open this word, I'm gonna meet you. I know, Lord, when I crack open this word, my heart is open and receptive to hear your word. My Sunday morning, I turned my phone off during worship. Quiet times, turned my phone off, ready to hear the Lord. And friends, it is convicted me down to the root of who I am. What changed? I believe with my whole heart that God is with us. This is a sanctuary that we walk into knowing that we're going to meet the Lord from this place, that we all distractions that would keep us from this place, all the distractions that would keep us from worshiping the Lord. I recognize this is a sanctuary that we know that when we enter into worship, God is there. 
And so we come to meet him. We come to worship him. When we go into our quiet times, when we go into our places and spaces where the Lord is, we walk into it deeply with the recognition, Lord, you are there. Would my heart be open to receive you? Would my heart be open to see you? As I'm sitting in my quiet space with my word open, Lord, I am fully ready to meet with you and commune with you. Lord, would you open my heart to receive whatever it is you would have for me? As I walk into worship, Lord, I want to worship you with everything I am because of what you have done. And so friends, we enter into worship. And hear me say, I'm not just talking about Sunday morning worship. I'm talking about the worship of our lives. As we're driving on the road to work, as we're entering into our schools, as we're going to where we are, we are entering with it with expectation that we will see, meet with, and commune with the Lord. I was so stirred last week to see our youth camp come back and they sit over here in the evening service and they're just on fire for the Lord. Well, sorry, I, I try not to use that analogy anymore. They're just glowing with joy for the Lord, right? Just, just, just there's so much good as you see them come back. And I remember as a student going on youth camps, getting into the bus, knowing that during that week I was gonna meet the Lord wholeheartedly, that I wasn't coming back until I met the Lord. I knew going in every year at youth camp I was gonna meet with the Lord. And do you know, every year I met the Lord. I walked away on the mountaintop of my faith. And again, this is the conviction of my heart to be reminded that as I enter into, into worship, as I come into my quiet times, as I come into Wednesday night prayer meeting, as I come to my personal devotion to the Lord, I am expectant that I'm gonna enter his gates with thanksgiving that I will hear from the Lord, that his word will teach and reveal to me what I need to hear that day. So we enter into it with expectation, but let me just speak to those of you in this room, my heart included, that may struggle with entering into his gates with thanksgiving and entering into those moments of worship. What does David give us? Right, does David just give us, hey, you should be blessing the Lord. If you're not, you are just messed up people. Can't you get it together? Right, how could y'all miss it, right? You just, but David doesn't do that. What does the scripture say? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. See, number three on your outline is just simply forget not his benefits. I'm not asking you to write down the benefits like you're a member at Sam's Club and you write down the benefits of being a Sam's Club member. It's not what we're doing here. I've given you space because I think it may be a good exercise as we talk through these things that as you have your heart stirred into worship to intentionally think, Lord, why am I worshiping you? What, what, what benefit? Why, why am I serving you? Why am I, worship, why am I here to worship? And in case we have struggled with that list, let me give you what David gives us for a second. Three through 19 filled with places where we look at the benefits of our trust in the Lord. Right off the bat. He forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. Boom, right off the bat. David says, forget not all of his benefits. Why? He heals all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He heals you from the pit. He redeemed your life from the pit. Ooh, if that wasn't enough, right? That he has redeemed your life from the pit. As we watched, death to life. 
plunged beneath the waters, reminding you that you were dead to your sins and trespasses. But he raised you from the pit. So forget not his benefits. He has forgiven all your iniquities. As you search through this, see all the places in which David writes all. He has forgiven all your iniquity. All of it. Every bit of it. All your disease. He's redeemed your life from the pit. He has crowned you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's wings. He gives righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He doesn't always chide nor keep his anger forever. And he does not deal with us according to our sins. And he does not repay us according to our iniquities. It seems to be a pretty big deal. When we look at the benefits that God has given in Christ, my goodness. He forgives all your iniquity. He's redeemed your life from the pit. He crowns you with his steadfast love he's slow to his anger and he does not repay you according to what you deserve in your iniquities and then if that wasn't enough David starts giving us these beautiful pictures of his grace to remind us as you step outside to worship as high as the heaven is from the earth is his steadfast love over you as you walk out here today as you walk out onto the street, and as you see the sunlight, hopefully it's still sunny outside, and if it's raining, great. Step outside. The picture that David gives us is as far as the earth is into the heavens is his steadfast love over you. As far as the earth is to those microscope pictures or those telescope pictures that we've just received, the earth to the heavens is his steadfast love over you. In case you were not aware, that's a large distance. That's the measure of his steadfast love. And so as you walk out and as you walk into his creation and as you just look at the majesty of the earth to the heavens, you're recognizing this is his steadfast love over us. And what does it do but cause us to say, bless you, Lord. I don't deserve this. Who am I to deserve your steadfast love from this to this? Who am I to deserve this? that as far as the east is from the west, that's as far away as he has removed your transgressions. That his transgressions are not just always tailing you from behind. He hasn't removed them, but he said, you know what? They're gonna just stay behind you and you gotta deal with them. You gotta look at them everywhere you go. Sorry, that's as far as I could get them. They're just always gonna be right behind you. Every time you turn around, there's your sins. No, as far as the east is from the west, meaning they will never touch. They are gone forever. That he knows our frame, he knows our weaknesses. And so as David says, bless you, Lord. Forget not his benefits. How do we, how do we not bless him? How do we not marvel at what he's done? How do we not say, Lord, thank you for what you have done? How do we not enter into this place with expectation? And I'm speaking to my own heart first and foremost. 
that is David at times, you have to compel your heart to say, heart, soul, come on, arise up within me. Remind me of these things. And I've given you this space on your order of service just to be a friendly reminder. Maybe you need to sit down and say, Lord, thank you. Here is what I've seen you do in my own heart and my own life. Here is how I see your goodness to me. Lord, here is how I've seen you like a good shepherd lead. In those moments when you say, soul, rise up and bless your name, you need to pull out this little sheet and say, here's why. You are my king. You are my matchless, eternal king. You have done it where I could not do it. And you just begin blessing his holy name. If you turn on the back of your outline, just a few more places in which I'll leave us with this morning as we conclude. First, uh, we see in Psalm 34 a picture of what this looks like as we leave. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That this is our heart, this is our goal, that we will bless the Lord at all times, that his praise would be continually on our mouths. Psalm 34, 2 continues, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Not in what we've got, but what in he has done. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And then, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. That's it. That's it. Let's exalt and magnify his name together. It's been a joke for the past two weeks, but I've meant it with all my heart. As I leave that baptistry, I've wanted to get those waiters off as quickly as I can to get down in here and magnify the Lord with you together. That I see you as my faith family, my brothers and sisters in Christ. That we've all walked through hardships and difficulties throughout the week and we come here into the sanctuary to do one thing, to lift up the name of Jesus and to say we are here because we got to do it again. We're not perfect and we're thankful for Jesus. And so let's lift up and magnify and exalt his name together. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that your name is worthy of our worship. Thank you that your name is worthy of our praise. Thank you that as we'll sing in just a moment, we can come as we are. We don't have to clean up and perfect ourselves. You allow us to come just as we are. And that you lead us in your paths of righteousness and that you lead us beside the still waters. Well, thank you for the goodness of who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.